the show. Appreciate everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. We are here. We won't stop. We can't stop. Combo Nation! Today's show, Seth Park, now of The Athletic and author of The Mid-Range Theory, joins in to talk about his book, The Mid-Range Theory, where the Celtics should draw the line in a Jalen Brown package for KD, and does Draymond deserve the max extension from the Warriors and more. Just a fantastic conversation with Seth. You can find Seth on Twitter at Anchorage Man. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Seth part now of the athletic a lot has happened uh, between now and the last time we recorded you wrote a book the mid-range theory you met Andrew Combo Salop in person at summer league I, I lot, did it was exciting lot, it was very exciting <laughs> for both of us um how are you man how are things it's it's good um sort of uh unpacking from the uh from the the summer league odyssey my uh first of all just being out in Vegas for 12 days is a lot but also we, we did like a family road trip on, on either end of that. So it basically was, was either in Vegas or in the car for three and a half straight weeks. So just sort of unpacking both literally and figuratively from that this week. 12 days is a lot for yeah. Vegas. I mean, honestly, I think over three is a lot for Vegas. Yeah. Well, you, so, I mean, I'm, I think I'm a little more acclimated. I used to, since I used to play poker for a living, like, Oh, okay. Like I, like the longest I'd ever been there at a, at a hop was probably like three and a half weeks. And it's just different. Like this was, you know, staying in a hotel, that was like staying at a house and, you know, you know, living life a little bit, but still it's uh it's a long time to be there. Most definitely. Tell me more about the mid range theory, sir. Um, so, I mean, it's, I was, when I, when I left the bucks and went to the athletic, I was, uh, you know, maybe someday I'll write a book. Uh, and then, um, I didn't really have a, a specific idea in mind. And then the publisher like basically called me out of the blue and said, Hey, write a book. And I got some good advice from, from some friends, uh, Ben Taylor of, of thinking basketball, who, uh, I don't know if you've had him on your show, but I, yes, think be, I have, yes, yeah, I have. Yeah. So, but he, he basically was like, Hey, you know, you've written and researched a lot of these things a lot, but especially the stuff you did before you went to the bucks, uh, nobody's read that. So, you know, 200 people read it. So it's okay to sort of revisit that and not feel like, you know, you're going to bore people because for most people, it's going to be new. So that really gave me a lot to work with. And so I just um, tried to, you know, discuss um, what people call analytics. I don't love the term, but we're stuck with it. Tried to discuss it in a way that made it clear that it's just basketball with a different set of glasses on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why the name, the mid-range theory, <laughs> and tell me what that theory is actually all about. So the name is, uh, first of all, like, um, you know, one of my favorite groups growing up was, was Tribe Called Quest. And so the low-end theory was like one of my like favorite albums, you know, okay. growing up. It's just straight bangers. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, and then when we were starting Nylon Calculus in around 2014, 2015, we were trying to figure out what the name was. 
And the second place name was the mid-range theory, which had been my suggestion. So I kind of had that in my back pocket for a, for a good name for something. And when I wrote a book, it's like, yeah, the mid-range theory. And then um, it, it worked out well because like the, what's the biggest development in basketball in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years is the rise of the three-pointer and the move of shots away from the mid-range. Um, and the mid-range theory is that like the mid-range isn't dead. It's, the spot up, you know, secondary player shooting a pick and pop 18 footer. It's the right, power right. forward, power forward shooting a baseline 18 footer. That's, that's, that's a corner three now. That's an above the break three now. So the, the, the theory is, is that the mid range is as important as it ever was. I mean, I think we see this in the playoffs every year. Getting buckets is still like the best teams need to do that. And it's still the same players doing it, maybe slightly different areas. We don't have, you know, Shaq sitting on the block, sticking his hand up and putting guys in the goal anymore. But, you know, the guys who are working off the bounce, getting to the elbows and getting their shots, that's as common from the same types of players now as it was 20 years ago. And so the mid-range theory is, hey, these other people are spacing out to give these stars room to operate in that area. And that's the stuff that, like, when people lament the lost art of the mid-range, the stuff they actually care about hasn't gone anywhere. It's still yeah. those, it's still, you know, it, it, you know, Chris Paul still getting to the elbow, you he know, is. he is. I mean, like Kawhi, KD, Chris Paul, all the yeah. league's best players still star have shots. It. Those are yeah. star shots. Yeah. It's interesting. Is there a, like, do you see in any way in, in terms of like shot profiles or anything else that generally the way teams could get even more efficient or get an edge on the competition right now? So this is this is something that that I, I talked about this a little in the book and in the afterward to the paperback, which is coming out in the fall free plug um, <laughs> is is there was, um, uh, you know, some people wrote about this year. Um, uh, Zach Cram at the ringer was an, uh, another one who wrote about it is, um, you know, as the league was sort of figuring out the three pointer was important, you could kind of get gains just by mathing it. It's like, hey, we're going to shoot three pointers. And now that everyone's trying, like, hey, you know, three pointers are good. You kind of. It's now back to who has shot makers, not just who can like game the game, the court to get, you know, you know, right. back in back in 2013, the Rockets probably got four or five extra wins a year just by being like smarter in shot locations. That's basically vanished, like the ability to be it's now can we create open shots? Can we are we creating shots our guys can hit, which is, you know, that's getting getting back to basketball as we know it. And I think that's good. Like we've kind of, we've, we've had the evolution and now it's, it's sort of back to, to, you know, talent over math almost. Right. You probably have more insight into this than I do, but I was actually talking to somebody who worked with the Rockets during the Maury era. Right. And I didn't realize how extreme it was like in the G league. If you took a mid range shot and missed, you were out the game. Yeah. Um, and frankly, for, for guys who are playing in the G League, if you're using your G League as like a feeder to your NBA yeah. team, like, again, those are star shots. If you're in the G League and you're hoping to get called up, you're not taking those shots. So I, I it, in while it may not make sense in the context of the game that they're playing, right, in terms right. of, of training ba- those players. In terms of balance. In yeah. terms of balance, it's probably not the best, but in terms of training those players for their role, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, so you recently had players' tears. Um, <laughs> a lot of outrage, Seth. 
A lot of outrage, yeah, huh? I, I, don't, I don't care anymore. Bring it on. <laughs> so which player, which player's placement or lack of placement caused the most outrage? So there's a player type that I think I'm lower on mm. than it's sort of the, the mediocre efficiency bucket getter. So the players that I got the most pushback on are RJ Barrett, Brandon Ingram. Um, I'm trying to remember who, who else off the top of my head. Jason Tatum a little bit. I had him in tier two, not tier one. I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I've been with you for a long time. I'm, I'm not as high on Tatum as others. Great player for sure. Yeah. But I think we saw it. Like, I think we, frankly, if, if we're talking about winning a championship, I think we saw some, some, some skill deficits in, 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 in his game in the finals. And I think that yeah. matters. But yeah. so those, those are, I think those are off the top of my head. Those are kind of the, kind of the, the biggest ones, but that, but that, that player type and, you know, you throw Donovan Mitchell in there is another guy that I'm probably lower on than consensus it's guys you know they uh without wanting to pick a fight they're sort of the real hooper favorites that you know if you do that well it's great if you do that just okay what do you bring to a top team hoopers love michael beasley now i love michael beasley yeah i do i do too i do i mean as as a human being he was with the bucks my first year i heard i heard that people with the heat told me he was an incredible human being yeah no he was he was my favorite player to to have around in my in my time with the Bucks. So, so tell me why don't you think it worked out the way it should have in the nba with him he's a great guy great player um i th- i mean i think that there's just just like that little like there's basketball is so much between the the, the things we see it's all right. those little decisions and it's just like you know that that didn't quite work for him as well as it as it as it did for players who maybe had less physical talent, mm. um, and it's it just you know at like the decision making of NBA players is at such a high level yeah. that the that that's the differentiator rather than a little bit of you know an extra inch of wingspan or an extra little bit of a vertical leap or, or or quickness or something like that like being being faster of of like I don't you know this it's not. Uh, you know, you say it this way, it makes you sound like you're calling people stupid. It's no, it's just like in a physical sense, you can read and react faster. So the, the, like the, 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 cog- the cognitive, the mental part of that, like, you know, people like, well, Steve Nash wasn't a great athlete. Steve had, Steve Nash was, was so much quicker on that. He, stuff. He, he was a great athlete in a lot of different ways. Maybe yeah. not the ways that are eye popping, but in terms of balance and deceleration yeah. and yep quickness but but also in in sort of like the the you know the the almost like the hand 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 eye hand eye and like you know earlier is better than faster and so the players who can read things earlier yeah are you know they're they're they make up for the fact that they're physically slow by being there already right right so i think that i think that like that that's hard to see especially at a lower level where like, you know, guys coming up, they are not put in a position where that necessarily matters as much. And then you get to the NBA and you see kind of like, you know, um, there are other players who probably have like, maybe not as much, but similar explosiveness to like John Morant's, but his ability to pick spots and change speeds and just sort of feel it out. That's what makes him special. Not just the fact that he's an otherworldly athlete, though he is. Cause we see, I mean, we we've seen like, super live guards not really do much and then there's him and he's a top 20 player in the league because of that ability to figure out how to pick his spots 
Yeah, I think I love the combination of skill sets that John Moran has. It kind of reminds me of John Wall. It's like almost like there's some basketball savantishness going yeah. on. I don't know if that's a word with elite athleticism. Yes. No, like nobody, nobody could throw the like the one-handed skip pass two inches behind the defender's ear to the weak side like John Wall because he could just he's coming off that 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 high pick and roll full speed and he sees oh he sees you taking that one extra step up and boom laser behind you to a shooter in the corner right most definitely um we mentioned Tatum so let's hit one of the more uh trendier topics the whole KD thing when it comes to the Celtics where do you draw the line when it comes to the Celtics in a Jalen Brown package and does it work for both sides is there a situation that you think works for both sides so this is this is super tough like KD is better than Jalen Brown you you drop KD in like you do that one-to-one swap the Celtics are I think an overwhelming title favorite this year. If you just switch those players, however, assuming that they have like the stuff together, the Celtics are a, like without the move are a title contender for five years. Like a and Katie is is uh, was he thirty going to be thirty four this season? Mm-hmm. So it's that it's like balancing that one versus and then what else? You like if like if you have to give up Marcus Smart in the deal, I don't think you do it. I think that's, you know, I think that that kind of is because now that's like you've almost almost recreated the nets and and taken away a lot of what makes like Boston like a special defensive team at that point. Yeah. Do you think some of the hesitancy is also because we've seen some of these, for lack of a better term, super teams be created lately and it hasn't been working out as much as of late? I think there's some of that though. I think Durant in particular is the most plug and play superstar in the we've NBA. Seen, we've seen it with the Warriors. I mean, yeah. Like yeah. he just, because he can be on ball, he can be off ball. He's, you know, uh, maybe not 82 games in the regular season, but in a playoff setting can still be elite or borderline elite defensively. So I think that like, um, so I think that with Durant specifically, that's less of a problem. Now you talk about the pieces that Brooklyn put around Durant that maybe didn't we can you know i um both you know both from stars and role players like you know having to start deandre jordan instead of would that team have been good with jared allen like (laughs) well actually this year coming up might be a better fit for him if he just stays right i think so i mean i think that you know yes reallocating the other that that point guard spot somewhere else and like better balancing the roster i'm like you know i'm if there's one thing I've sort of become a fundamentalist on, it's like, I just don't want guys who are unreliable on my team. Well, one guy that was reliable, Bruce Brown. Are you excited to see the Jokic Bruce oh, Brown yeah. connection? I mean, yes. Jokic running the point, Bruce Brown at the five. What are your thoughts on it, Seth? That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great stuff. That's like, you know, when, when people try to say that everyone in the NBA plays the same now, like Denver, like some Denver's bread and butter play this year might be a, a Jokic Brown pick and roll with the small, with like the six, three guy as the role, man. Like, yeah. who does that? <laughs> Nobody. I do. I mean, I always felt like they were like a sleeper team for me to win a title. Can, is that realistic for this season? If everybody's healthy, I thought they were the best team in the league before Jamal Murray got hurt two years ago. Right. Like when after Ab- the Aaron Gordon trade. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They were playing uh, great. Um, So I, I think, you know, our, our, you know, sleeper only in so far as it's sort of dependent on the health of Murray and Porter jr. Yes. Like, 
more Murray than Porter, but obviously Porter Jr. is important, but Murray is like, because that gives them the second really um, dynamic weapon. Because I think, you know, Jokic's, um, his offensive game has been great in the playoffs basically the whole time. I think that when he's been asked to do as much as he has the last two years, um, his defense, which isn't has never been his strong point, but he's been fine. It becomes a problem when he's asked to do that much offensively and also gets targeted like like you know teams will do on defense. So staying on the West, do you believe that Draymond deserves the max from the Warriors? I mean, is it is it a is it a career achievement award or is it a what will you do over the life of this deal? Well, there's 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 like it like him getting a max extension at his age uh, is disastrous from a team building standpoint two years from now. Wow. Do now do are do you win enough in those next two years that you don't care? But like 36, 37 year old Draymond, what is that player? Do you believe it's a lot more valuable to the Warriors than any other team around the league? I think, no, I think, I mean, I think he's definitely a player who is the better the team is. I mean, I think we saw this a little bit, you know, when Curry was hurt uh, a couple of years ago, like without talent around him, it's, it's rough for, for, for Draymond, you know, just his, his sort of limitations as a shooter and a, a finisher at the rim and really his, like, you know, for a team that probably has weak spots all over the place on defense, like he can only cover up so much. Yeah. He's, he's on a good team. He's probably still the best defender in the league. He's not a guy like a go bear who you plop him in on any defense and you're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned go bear. How'd you feel about that deal for Minnesota? That's a swing. Um, <laughs> I, you know, on some level, I feel a little bit validated as someone who's been like higher on Gobert than <laughs> than most. It's like, hey, look, if he gets five first round picks, someone thinks he's good. Well, well, I mean, NBA teams have made mistakes before, yeah. but yes, there is validation, of course. <laughs> um, I mean, they're they're probably the most interesting. Like, how does this work, team? I think they're going to be a really tough regular season team. How it works in the playoffs, I don't know. I mean, I mentioned being sort of out on unreliable players, especially point guards. And I'm not a big fan of who the, the wolves have at the one, like I mm. kind of, I almost feel like they'd be the, like they'd be better off if like Jordan McLaughlin was their starting point guard right now. Yeah. I mean, I think the loss of Pat Beverly is going to be big just from like a locker room standpoint. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, vibes are tough to, to judge from the outside, so who knows? I think that, like, there's some super interesting lineup stuff. Like, you, if you just had the fifth guy to go with uh, with with Ant and Cat and, like, uh, McDaniels and Gobert, like, if you if you find the right fifth guy to that, that's a, like, that's a lineup right there, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Most, to me, I, all I could think about when I heard about this trade was, like, this is a bet on Anthony Edwards. Like, we think he's going to take a leap real soon. Oh, and I think that's, I think that's right. And I think they're, um, they're like, he's a guy who like the, the, the bar is kind of the decision-making like he, he, you know, he's a guy who he's still young, but bad time and short score shot selection at times. Um, He's a guy who probably needs to learn how to leverage his physical tools a little better in terms of getting to the line more. 
Um, like he's he yeah. has a little bit of the young Derrick Rose thing where because he's so acrobatic, he, he kind could, of he could get out of situations. Right? Yeah. Instead yeah. of like, okay, you're six, seven, two thirty, just like put your chest on a guy and and you know, get free throws or an and one. Right. That, like, that, 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 that's a learned skill in yes. time in the NBA. And yeah. you get better at better at that when you become a veteran, right. As you yeah. become and all, like, that was like, that was the biggest change in Rose's game when his MVP years, he like, he bumped up his free throw rate a ton because he's like, all right, I beat you. I'm, I'm not going to try to like throw up some crazy stuff. I'm going to get to the line and I might yeah. finish anyway. Yeah. And that just like that saw him like, you know, take that next little bit of like efficiency game and just the- getting yourself some easy points. MVP Rose was different. Okay, let's end with this, Seth. I heard you talk in the past about that there's like 20 top five guys, right? <laughs> who who are actually the top five guys, in your opinion, going into next NBA yeah. season? Well, that, I mean, that's the, the there being 20 top five guys, quote unquote, is why you do the why I do the tiers, basically. Right, so right. That, you know, being really like stingy about saying who's a top five guy. I think. The top four, so I have four at the top. I have are Steph, KD, Giannis, Jokic, and then like oh, I got to slow down. Go again. Tell okay. me again. Steph, Giannis, KD, Jokic. That's four. That's four. Uh, and then and then the next two are Luca. Got to be yeah, Luca. Doncic and Embiid, and Kawhi is sort of sitting there. We don't know what he is right now. Right, right. And you know, I say this with great trepidation. Cause you, you know, have been proved. I've, I, uh, the first article I wrote about is LeBron starting to age, I think was in 2014. So here we are in 2022. So I'm, I'm with some trepidation saying, I think that now is the part where we kind of see LeBron, like still a top 10 player, still top 15 player, probably not in that. Like every night can win you a series on his own type play. like you, you can hear the fear in my voice even saying <laughs> right right but so it's, it's gonna happen at some point right so, right no of course i mean you know father time is undefeated but right. who is that fifth guy you gave me like five guys for the fifth guy Seth. no who so is- it's 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 like I'm, i don't want to i don't want to be for I, I i can't really pick between Doncic and Embiid. I, i'll pick for you Doncic. all right that's fair enough, <laughs> that's fair enough. And, i mean the counter would be like the counter would be like you know don lucas uh is a target defensively and Embiid is a borderline, you know, all defense de- right. slash defensive player of the year guy. So that's right. I think that matters. Right. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Seth, it's always great talking basketball with you. What are you currently working on? Where can we find your work? Tell us everything. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, writing still about twice a month for the athletic uh, podcast. Uh, we are on sort of a summer schedule now with Nerder. Nerder, she wrote on the athletic podcast going about every other nice. week. Nice. Um, I've got my own podcast on Colin where uh, you're going to come and join me, right? Anytime. So yeah, I mean, just let me right. know. Let me know. Yeah. So, so we're, we're going to come, I, I want to, you know, talk about your basketball journey. So we're going to talk about that. And then um, kind of my day job at, at stats bomb, I'm actually like uh, building football data right now. So occasionally nice. on the uh, stats bomb website, you'll see some, uh, you'll see some uh, content from me about uh, how to bring uh, some, some data to the world of football, which is a, whole other thing expanding my mind in, in in all kinds of ways most definitely where can we find the mid-range theory uh mid-range theory available uh anywhere books are sold uh paperback comes out uh in november i think and is available for pre-order at amazon 
bookshop.org, uh, uh, you know, um, Barnes and Noble, wherever else, uh, if I'm forgetting any, uh, uh, and direct from Triumph, the publisher, direct from uh, Triumph Publishing. So, uh, so if you haven't read it yet, pick it up on paperback. I, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy. Most definitely. Seth, thank you so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Yeah, no, great to talk to you again, man. Always. There it is, another episode of Combo's Court. Big shouts to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Big shouts to Seth for joining in. Go grab a copy of the Mid-Range Theory Combo Nation. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button. That's right, drop a comment wherever you tune into Combo's Court. Combo, out.